Section 3 of Stories by Foreign Authors, German Authors, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones. Stories by Foreign Authors, German Authors, Volume 1, by Various. Section 3. The Philosopher's Pendulum, A Tale from Germany by Rudolf Lindau, Part 2 Warren spent another week in Leipzig with his friend. No man was easier to live with. To every suggestion of Hermann's he invariably answered, Very well. And if Hermann proposed nothing, he was quite content to remain seated in a comfortable armchair by the fireside, holding a book which he scarcely looked at, and watching the long rolls of smoke from his pipe. He disliked new acquaintances. Nevertheless, the friends to whom Hermann introduced him found in him a quiet, unobtrusive, and well-informed companion. He pleased everybody. There was something strange and yet attractive in his person. There was a charm about him, people said. Hermann felt the attraction without being able to define in what it consisted. Their former friendship had been renewed unreservedly. The kind of fascination that Warren exercised over all those who approached him often led Hermann to think that it was not unlikely that in his youth he had inspired a real love in Ellen Gilmore. One evening Hermann took his friend to the theatre, where a comic piece was being performed. In his young days Warren had been very partial to plays of that kind, and his joyous peals of laughter on such occasions still rang in the ears of his friend. But the attempt was a complete failure. Warren watched the performance without showing the slightest interest, and never even smiled. During the opening scenes, he listened with attention, as though he were assisting at some performance of the legitimate drama. Then, as if he could not understand what was going on before his eyes, he turned away with a wearied air and began looking at the audience. When, at the close of the second act, Hermann proposed that they should leave the house, he answered readily, Yes, let us go. All this seems very stupid. We will be much better at home. There is a time for all things, and buffoonery suits me no longer. There was nothing left in Orne of the friend that Hermann had known fifteen years before. He loved him none the less. On the contrary, to his affection for him had been superadded a feeling of deep compassion. He would have made great sacrifices to secure his friend's happiness and to see a smile light up the immovable features and the sorrowful dullness of the eye. His friendly anxiety had not been lost upon Warren, and when the latter took his leave he said with emotion, You wish me well, my old friend, I see it and feel it, and believe me, I am grateful. We must not lose sight of each other again. I will write regularly. A few days later, Hermann received a letter for his friend. It was an American letter, and the envelope was stamped with the initials E. 
H. They were those of Ellen Howard, the heroine of Warren's sad history. He forwarded the letter immediately, and wrote at the same time to his friend, I hope the enclosed brings you good news from America. But in his reply, Warren took no notice of this passage, and made no allusion to Ellen. He only spoke of the new house in which he had just settled himself, to end, as he said, his days. And he pressed Hermann to come and join him. The two friends at last agreed to pass Christmas and New Year's Day together. But when December came, Warren urged his friend to hasten his arrival. I do not feel well, he wrote, and am often so weary that I stay at home all day. I have made no new acquaintances, and, most likely, will make none. I am alone. Your society would give me great pleasure. Come. Your room is ready, and will be, I trust to your liking. There is a large writing-table, and tolerably well-filled bookshelves. You can write there, quite at your ease, without fear of disturbance. Come as soon as possible, my dear friend. I am expecting you impatiently. Hermann happened to be at leisure, and was able to comply with his friend's wish, and to go to him in the first week of December. He found Warren looking worn and depressed. It was in vain he sought to induce him to consult a physician. Warren would reply, Doctors can do nothing for my complaint. I know where the shoe pinches. A physician would order me probably to seek relaxation and amusement, just as he would advise a poor devil whose blood is impoverished by bad food to strengthen himself with a generous diet and good wine. The poor man could not afford to get the good living, and I do not know what could enliven or divert me. Travel? I like nothing so well as sitting quietly in my armchair. New faces? They would not interest me. Yours is the only company I prefer to solitude. Books? I am too old to take pleasure in learning new things, and what I have learned has ceased to interest me. It is not always easy to get what might do one good, and we must take things as they are. Hermann noticed, as before, that his friend ate little, but that, on the other hand, he drank a great deal. The sincere friendship he felt for him emboldened him to make a remark on the subject. It is true, said Warren, I drink too much, but what can I do? Food is distasteful to me, and I must keep up my strength somehow. I am in a wretched state. My health is ruined. One evening, as the two friends were seated together in Warren's room, while the wind and sleet were beating against the window panes, the invalid began of his own accord to speak about Ellen. We now correspond regularly, he said. She tells me in her last letter that she hopes soon to see me. Do you know, Hermann, that she is becoming an enigma for me? It is very evident that she does not treat me like other people, and I often wonder and ask myself what I am in her eyes. What does she feel toward me? Love? Pfft, that is inadmissible. Pity, perhaps? This, then, is the end of my grand dreams, 
to be an object of pity i have just answered her letter to say that i am settled here with a fixed intention of ending my useless existence in quiet and idleness do you remember a scene in henry heine's reisebilder when a young student kisses a pretty girl who lets him have his own way and makes no great resistance because he has told her i will be gone to-morrow at dawn and i will never see you again the certainty of never seeing a person again gives a man the courage to say things that otherwise he would have kept hidden in the most secret depths of his being i feel that my life is drawing to a close i do not say no my dear friend my presentiments are certain i have written it to ellen i have told her other things besides what folly all i have ever done has been folly or chimera i end my life logically in strict accordance with my whole past by making my first avowal of love on my deathbed is not that as useless a thing as can be hermann would have wished to know some particulars about the letter but warren replied somewhat vaguely if i had a copy of my letter i would show it to you willingly you know my whole story and i would not be ashamed to lay before you my last act of folly i wrote about a fortnight ago when i felt sure that death was drawing near i was in a fever not from fear death gains but little by taking my life but from a singular species of excitement i do not remember what were the words i used who knows perhaps this last product of my brain may have been quite a poetical performance never mind i do not repent of what i have done i am glad that ellen should know at last that i have loved her silently and hopelessly if that is not disinterested what is he added with a bitter smile christmas went by sadly warren was now so weak that he could scarcely leave his bed for two or three hours each day hermann had taken upon himself to send for a doctor but this latter had scarcely known what to prescribe warren was suffering from no special malady he was dying of exhaustion now and then during a few moments which became daily more rare and more brief his vivacity would return but the shadow of death was already darkening his mind on new year's eve he got up very late we will welcome in the new year he said to hermann i hope it may bring you happiness i know it will bring me rest a few minutes before midnight he opened the piano and played with solemnity as if it had been a chorale a song of schumann's entitled to the drinking cup of a departed friend then on the first stroke of midnight he filled two glasses with some old rhenish wine and raised his own glass slowly he was very pale and his eyes were shining with feverish light he was in a state of strange and fearful excitement he looked at the glass which he held and repeated deliberately a verse of the song which he had just been playing the vulgar cannot understand what i see at the bottom of this cup 
Then at one draught he drained the full glass. While he was thus speaking and drinking, he had taken no notice of Hermann, who was watching him with consternation. Recovering himself at length, he exclaimed, Another glass, Hermann, to friendship. He drained his second glass like the first to the very last drop, and then, exhausted by the effort he had made, he sank heavily on a chair. Soon after, Hermann led him, like a sleepy child, to his bed. During the days that followed, he was unable to leave his room, and the doctor thought it was right to warn Hermann that all the symptoms seemed to point to a fatal issue. On the 8th of January, a servant from the hotel in the little neighboring town brought a letter which, he said, required an immediate answer. The sick man was then lying almost unconscious. Hermann broke the seal without hesitation and read as follows. My dear friend, a visit to Europe which my father had long planned has at last been undertaken. I did not mention it to you in order to have the pleasure of surprising you. On reaching this place, I learned that the illness of which you spoke in your last letter has not yet left you. Under these circumstances, I will not venture to present myself without warning you of my arrival and making sure that you are able to receive me. I am here with my brother, who, like myself, would not come so near to you without seeing you. My father has gone on to Paris, but Francis and I will join him in a few days. Ellen Hermann, after one instant's thought, took up his hat and dismissed the messenger, saying he would give the answer himself. At the hotel he sent in his card with the words, From Mr. Warren, and was immediately ushered into Ellen's presence. She was alone. Hermann examined her rapidly. He saw an extremely beautiful woman, whose frank and fearless eyes were fixed on him with a questioning look. Hermann had not frequented the society of women much, and was usually rather embarrassed in their presence. But on this occasion he thought only of his friend, and found no difficulty in explaining the motive of his visit. He told her his friend was ill, very ill, dying, and that he had opened the letter addressed to Warren. Ellen did not answer for some time. She seemed not to have understood what she had heard. After a while, her eyes filled with tears, and she asked whether she could see Mr. Warren. On Hermann answering in the affirmative, she further inquired whether her brother might accompany her. Two visitors might fatigue the invalid too much, said Hermann. Your brother may come later. Are you not afraid that my visit may tire him? I do not think so. It will make him very happy. Ellen took only a few minutes to put on her hat and cloak, and they started. This short journey was accomplished in silence. When they had reached the house, Hermann went in first to see how the dying man was. While he was lying in his bed, in the delirium of fever, muttering incoherent sentences, nevertheless he recognized Hermann 
and asked for something to drink. After having allayed his thirst, he closed his eyes as if to sleep. I have brought you a friend, said Hermann. Will you see him? Hermann, he is always welcome. No, no, it is a friend from America. From America? I lived there many years. How desolate and monotonous were the shores I visited. Will you see your friend? I am carried away by the current of the river. In the distance I see dark and shadowy forms. There are hills full of shade and coolness, but I will never rest there. Hermann retired noiselessly and returned almost immediately with Ellen. Warren, who had taken no notice of him, continued to follow the course of his wandering thoughts. The river is drawing near to the sea. Already I can hear the roar of the waves. The banks are beginning to be clothed with verdure. The hills are drawing near. It is dark now. Here are the big trees beneath which I have dreamed so often. A radiant apparition shines through their foliage. It comes towards me. Ellen! She was standing beside the bed. The dying man saw her, and without showing the least surprise, said with a smile, Thank God you have come in time. I knew you were coming. He murmured a few unintelligible words, and then remained silent for a long while. His eyes were wide open. Suddenly he cried, Hermann! Hermann came and stood beside Alan. The pendulum! You know what I mean? A frank, childish smile, the smile of his student days, lighted up his pallid face. He raised his right hand, and tracing in the air with his forefinger a wide semicircle, to imitate the oscillation of a pendulum, he said, Then. He then figured in the same manner a more limited and slower movement, and after repeating it several times said, Now. Lastly, he pointed straight before him with a motionless and almost menacing finger and said with a weak voice, Soon. He spoke no more and closed his eyes. The breathing was becoming very difficult. Ellen bent over him and called him softly, Henry, Henry. He opened his eyes. She brought her mouth close to his ear and said with a sob, I have always loved you. I knew it from the first, he said, quietly and with confidence. A gentle expression stole over his countenance, and life seemed to return. Once more he had the confident look of youth. A sad and beautiful smile played on his lips. He took the hand of Ellen in his and kissed it gently. How do you feel now? inquired Hermann. The old answer, very well. His hands were plucking at the bedclothes, as if he strove to cover his face with them. Then his arms stiffened, and the figures remained motionless. Very well, he repeated. He appeared to fall into deep thought. There was a long pause. At last he turned a dying look, fraught with tender pity and sadness, towards Ellen. 
and in a low voice which was scarcely audible he said these two words with a slight emphasis on the first perfectly well end of section three